just a nice reading from James 1. Um, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blunt and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a white flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even when they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres on the try, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are jacked away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth for the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Hi, thanks, Johnny. And it's good to be here again, sharing with you about James. As was mentioned before, we are starting a new season, a new series as a community, and we're going to be diving into the book of James. Now, the book of James is a great book because it's incredibly practical. And I also find it incredibly challenging because, you know, I can't deny it. The words are there. It shoots straight into my heart. And the thing is, because of its practicality, it is Christianity for daily life. It's rubber meets the robe. It's terribly, terribly realistic. And there is not much on belief, but it's got a lot to do with human behavior. And our behavior as Christians, it's such a vital dimension of what it means to be a child of God. And quite often, unfortunately, what we see out there in the world, and we hear it on the news, is that Christians who go to church, but their belief systems don't match their behavior. So I encourage you, as we journey in and dig into the book of James as a community and as a family, I pray that you also, in your own time, take the book of James out, read it for yourself, because what's within the passages are pearls of wisdom. You see, scripture does not make you intelligent, but it does make you wise. And that's what we need in life. We need more wisdom. 
So just a little bit of a background to do with James before we get into the thick of it. If I can get this working. Okay. It doesn't seem to be working. Okay, Shirley, you're going to have to help me out. That's not it. Okay, it should. There we go. James, the half-brother of Jesus. So Jesus was one of four brothers. And we know that James is Jesus' half-brother. And the interesting thing about the book of James, and actually within the New Testament as well, is that his family, Jesus was going about his earthly ministry, healing the sick, preaching about the kingdom of God, and his family thought he was crazy. Why did his family think he was crazy? Because that's what happens when your brother, for 30 years that you've watched grown up, claims that he is the Messiah, that he is deity. What changed within James's life? He had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. And when that happens, when people get that encounter with that resurrected Christ, it changes the way in which you view things. It changes the way you live. And in James's case, it also changes, changed the way he died. We know from history that James died quite a horrific death. He was pulled by a mob of people led by the Pharisees, and he was led to the pinnacle of a temple where he was thrown off. Unfortunately, he survived the fall, but then he was stoned, and eventually somebody took this wooden club and bashed his head in. And stories like that come out again and again within the Bible and throughout history. Christians who despite their circumstances chose to stand firm in faith and in their God. And today we're going to look specifically about finding that joy in suffering. Because it's not a natural thing for us to do. It's not within our human nature to find joy when it comes to adversity. But yet, believers, so many around the world, have been able to find joy through conflict, joy through adversity, 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 (laughs) and joy through suffering. So we are citizens of heaven living on earth, called to a different culture, and that culture is upside down to the normal social norm. So first of all, we're going to look at, and we're just going to go through the passages, and I believe today God has something that he wants to share with us very individually. First of all, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face many trials, because you know that it's testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. When I was a child, I did martial arts. And that was because my parents didn't know what to do with me. I had this incredible, incredible energy capacity that, you know, I used to just let out and like at random, I used to climb trees. And my parents even wanted to take me to a doctor one time to get me checked out. But instead of doing that, what they did was they took me to Taekwondo. 
and I channeled all that energy and that, that, that liveliness that I had within my heart into Taekwondo. And you know what? It was incredibly difficult at times. I've sprained my ankle more times than I can count. I did it for around six years. Often, I, 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 whipped, I, I, um, I was there in, in the thick of it when it came to like the sparring and everything, came back with bruises. But the thing is, why does one endure so much? Why does one participate in a sport like that, especially when it comes down to remembering patterns, doing push-ups, getting hurt along the way? It's because there was a promise that through this challenge, through this test, that I would get something at the end. And that was a black belt. But it's similar for us, and you see this in the Bible, in James. It says, consider it all joy. If you ask a sportsman, their focus isn't on the present suffering, it's on the promise. That is where their focus is, what they achieve at the end. And that is also the same for us. We go through many trials. You might be going through a trial right now, but the question is, what is that great reward? If we are to have joy in the midst of suffering, we need to understand what is that end goal? What is that reward? And it says here that it will produce perseverance. And when it finishes work, finishes its work, you may be complete and you will not lack anything. Maturity. As we grow, it's beneficial for us to actually face many trials. Second point. People who don't suffer much don't actually grow that much. I guarantee you, every mature Christian in this room and that you might know of in your life has endured some forms or various forms of suffering. They have gone through trials, they have survived, and they have stood the test. I remember a time that I asked God for a specific thing. I asked God to give me more patience because I was running short at home. And I was like, God, this is an attribute that I want to have. I want to be a person that is patient that can hear people out and not, 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 not get distracted by things. I wanted patience. And sure enough, what God gave me was a really annoying person. I ended up going to work and meeting this really, really annoying person. And that's how God works sometimes. If you want to gain an attribute in life, if you want growth, quite often God will give you a trial because nothing grows us like adversary. You may have heard, you may have heard the rule, don't let your heart, don't let your mind rule your heart. But it's sometimes good to, no, don't let your mind rule your heart, but sometimes it's good to let your mind rule your heart. Does that make sense? (laughs) You guys get what I mean? (laughs) It's good to sometimes let your mind rule your heart. Thing is, sometimes it's hard to rejoice in suffering. But sometimes it says here, you know that it's testing of your faith produces perseverance. Know that it is doing you good. It's hard to enjoy a trial, but you can choose to categorize it as beneficial and worthy of joy. It is for my own good and it's going to do wonders for my character. 
I encourage you through all the seasons in everything that you're going through, ask God, what are you trying to teach me through this trial? One of the biggest dangers to growth, unfortunately, is treating, retreating and avoidance. When I was going back to when I was younger again, one of my biggest issues was that I was a procrastinator. And I would, there would be an exam that would be around the corner. And instead of studying with all my might to gain the knowledge, to, to grow and to be able to take that test well, I found myself pulling back and retreating. And when that happened, I would get even more stressed. So it was like the self-fulfilling cycle that would happen in my life. And what I did notice from that is that procrastination, that avoidance of things that are hard, you see it in students all the time, but it's actually a representation of a much bigger problem in life. Because those, and this is what I realized, those that procrastinate when it comes to physical tests also avoid adversary and troubles in the real world. We withdraw. We go into movies. We distract our minds from what is in front of us because it's too hard. And as a result, we limit, we can limit the potential in which God has. Withdrawal and avoidance is one of the biggest dangers to our growth especially during trials. To find joy in suffering is very countercultural, but yet it is kingdom culture. The beauty of all this is that we aren't alone. I mean, this is an incredibly famous verse that most of us will know off the top of our heads, but how often do we actually walk it? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding any fault, and it will be given. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. I hope this blows your mind a little. The God that created all things, all of time, all of humanity, everything in which we see, all wisdom, the God of all wisdom, wants to give you his wisdom. And it is available for us. And what I love here, it says without finding fault. So it doesn't matter if you're a baby Christian, if you just became um, a believer of God, or you're somebody that's done the walk further down the track. God can give you your wisdom, and it's given freely without any prejudice. But the thing is, it's given freely on God's side, and as you go down, you'll see that there is, there can be a hang-up on our side. We need to do it in faith. And if we don't, it says that we should not expect anything and that we are double-minded, unstable in all we do. Ask God for wisdom in times of trial and believe that he has the ability to give it to us. And we will begin to see the world in new shades of color, not literally, but We'll see things through the eyes of God himself. We'll be able to discern things through God's eyes. And when we go through trials, we will begin to understand God's purpose through it.
It's great getting wisdom from experience, advice from friends or self-help books, but it's even better getting wisdom from God. Okay. Believers in humble circumstances, the great reversal. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. And Jesus talks a lot about this. Those that are poor, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's, it's, it's th- laced throughout the New Testament. Interestingly enough, somebody once said, it's not what you leave behind because the answer is always everything. I know many of us, and I know we're in the same boat at the moment, we are now investing, um, buying our first home. I encourage us as believers, let's learn to invest beyond the grave. Store our treasures in heaven. It's interesting to note also that in, as a whole, poor people have more adverse circumstances than rich people. Wealth can be a cushion against the troubles in life and it can breed self-reliance, self-security. The low position is also an incredibly insecure position. People have to trust God daily. And my question for you, is our wealth becoming a cushion for us? We are avoiding adversary because we can provide for ourselves. Poor people often have are much open to help than rich people. They are more open to the gospel. Where is the gospel most preached today? Listen to today. The answer is in the poorer parts of the world. And where is the gospel most lived? In places that are persecuted. We look around in our society today and it can be incredibly difficult to share the good news of Jesus. But we take the same message and we bring it to a place like Thailand and people are so responsive. Is our wealth cushioning us and causing self-reliance? The scary thing about all this is that by New Testament standards, we are all in the rich category. We are all rich. Perhaps some of these parables that we constantly hear is less about others and more about us than we realize. Finally, there's a promise at the end of the tunnel. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood that test, that person will receive the crown of life that has promised, God has promised to those who love him. God has promised. How do people, how do athletes endure the race? Because they see the promise at the end of the tunnel. How do we as Christians endure the trial with joy? We know that there is a plan and a purpose waiting for us. A lot of people have different perspectives in terms of what the life, crown of life represents. It's taken from something that's very culturally relevant to the people, the Olympic Games. At the end of that final race, if they win, they have the victory. 
they've run the race and they receive a laurel wreath, also called the crown of life. So are you living an upside-down culture? Society tells us and our human nature tells us this is how we behave, especially when adversity comes. But what does the Bible tell us as believers of the living God? I'm going to skip these because of time. Okay, going to end with, we're going to land here. Good presence from above, 16 to 18. Do not be deceived, dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows, who chose to give birth through the word of truth, that we might be the first kind of first fruits of all he created. And this is an absolute beautiful, beautiful verse. Because it talks about God's character. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. He stays consistent throughout our struggles and throughout our lives. The word I want us to focus on at the moment is first fruits. We have been given a new birth or a new life through the word of truth. And for that, we are the first fruits of all he created. Now this is actually the opposite to Genesis. God made the heavens and the earth, and then he made people. Now God is doing the other way around. He is making a new earth and a new heavens, and we as Christians have become the first fruits of that new creation. We are the first fruits of that. Revelation speaks about a new heaven and a new earth. And he is getting people ready for that second creation now. Not later, now. We are living, in a way, the eighth day of creation. God has gone back to work. And he's gone back to work in our lives. He went back to work on the day of Jesus' resurrection and the first bit of the old creation was made new, was Jesus, that made, that was made new was Jesus' own body. He became the first fruits and through him we are also first fruits. We are new men and new women being prepared for a new heaven and a new earth. We are called for, to be and to live and to exist in a new culture. Let's behave like that. God wants us to mature and to be completely restored as his people. Revelations 21, and I'm going to end with this. It says, behold, I'm making all things new. God is starting that with us. We are his creation new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So as I'm just going to close up in prayer. And I believe that some of us are going through times of trial. And 
let's ask God for wisdom. Because I was thinking about application points. But the beauty of James is that it's very clear and simple. You want wisdom? Ask God for wisdom. You don't know how to endure this trial? Ask God to help you endure this trial. And at the end of the day, we have that crown of life waiting for us. And that crown of life, I believe, because there's many opinions out there, but I believe it represents the life and the character of Jesus Christ himself. To be made mature, complete, not lacking in anything. Let me pray. Dear Lord, I just want to open up this space and to ask you for your divine wisdom. We can't do it alone, Lord. We believe Give us wisdom how to deal with our work colleagues. Give us wisdom how to talk to family, especially when there are rifts between us. Give us wisdom when times just get incredibly tough and it feels like we're constantly walking uphill. And we might feel so alone. Give us wisdom. And thank you, Lord God, that you give it freely without discrimination. And Lord, lastly, I want to thank you that, as Josh said earlier, I do believe as well that God is doing a renewal in a lot of people's hearts. And I pray, Father, that you will continue to do it, even if it's uncomfortable. As this family is gathered here together, Lord, I pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit be working so deeply in each and every one of our lives that just like James, who encountered that resurrected Christ that transformed his life through the encounter, we too will see you face to face. Your spirit will speak into our hearts and we will have that encounter with you. Because that is so important, Lord. Because that will give us something to live for and perhaps something to even die for. Thank you, Jesus.